gentlemen, this week it's the NHL draft. Are we excited? I'm excited. Very, very excited. It's going to be a fun one. There is a lot that we're going to talk about today. Chunk of it's going to be a draft preview. Besides that, uh, we've got a few things around the NHL. Coaching carousels. Um, beside the AKA, I think every team except at this point, San Jose have a head coach now, uh, to join that all filled it out. Uh, a good look at Jesse Bullia Harvey, because it really looks like he's going to be gone. Some stuff with Tampa Bay and all that, but, uh, we're starting with the big thing that's happening this week. It's the NHL draft. It's in Montreal. Uh, and obviously we care about the Leafs and the Habs. We're going to focus on their drafts, especially. I do want to look at some overall stuff in the draft, too, because it's going to be a fun one. Um, but obviously, it's going to be fun to talk about Toronto because of how wild that side of the draft is going to be. And it's going to be fun to talk about y'all because of how fun that part of the draft is going to be early <laughs> and late. Okay. So this is officially the 201 podcast draft preview of love and development is what I'm calling it because we okay. love these prospects. All right, guys. First off. I'm just going to put this out here. What I have here is, and I've read a lot of lists, right? But these are the ones I focused on for today. Obviously, the Elite Prospects Draft Guide, which we have mentioned many times, and I think it's the most in-depth one to do with certain prospects and the tools in their arsenal, right? It's uh, 900 pages. Waiting. Yeah, it's, I, it's crazy. It's insane. How far did you guys get into it? I got up until the 15th, 16th pick, and then I uh, didn't get back up. Yeah, I tried Eventually. to get through most of the first round. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Beside that, Scott Wheeler, uh, Corey Pronman, and just because this one is just a nice consensus one to go off of, uh, Bob McKenzie's, of course, because he surveys scouts. It's a fun one. I think it's the most accurate one, but it's fun to have Bob McKenzie. Okay. This guy is, is a draft where uh, COVID affecting development and evaluation of prospects, I think, is really going to affect a lot of projections. Um, you could read 10 different draft lists and they're all going to be completely different. I think there's a sense of maybe the top 12. I'm not even sure maybe. of that. We've put together our top 10 lists. Um, I cheated and went to 12 because I, I was having a lot of problems. Daniel, does that mean you went to 15? <laughs> I actually kept it at top 10 and then the Leafs pick. Nice. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So I just wanted us to talk about a few things before we get too deep into it because first off here's a big thing in this draft and there's actually an article in the athletic from dan robson and michael russo about this the russian factor in all this uh we all know about the invasion of ukraine uh i don't care what gms say about this draft not being too effective i'm going to take it with a grain of salt um because there are a lot of questions about russian players and especially ones that are in russia and are they going to be able to come back um now, I mention this because there are three Russian players in the athletic mentioned them, that being Pavel Mitnyukov. I'm not going to say all these right, I'm sorry. Danila Yurov and Ivan Miroshenko are all three Russians that could go in the first round. Miroshenko is one that question marks, so we're going to do him a little later. But the other two, sorry. Um, now, Yurov and Miroshenko play in Russia. Uh, Mitnyukov plays in Saginaw. But those other two could be affected by that. Now, obviously, there is some other stuff, a.k.a. the prospect who was detained in Russia for allegedly avoiding service, the one who had just signed with Philly. lot there. We don't know. Freeman talked about in 32 Thoughts, but conversation for another day. 
I also want to talk about three certain players before we get too deep into this, because these are who I'm christening the wild cards of the draft. Number one, Brad Lambert. We know he's got the speed, he's got the skill, he's got the transition game, but an incredibly inconsistent season in the Liga. Um, a lot of questions are around his hockey sen- uh, sense. He's had, apparently he was... Well, like top five pound at the beginning of the year, but his stock has taken a really big hit. And here's a really good quote from Elite Prospects is David St. Louis. Quote, Lambert abuses his skills to the utmost degree. And in his prospect thing, in Elite Prospects, he was quoted as having shades of William Nylander in his game, gentlemen. Man. <laughs> that, so Alex is a, a fan. I know <laughs> <laughs> you felt like his room under the bus there a little bit. No, like, well, I remember a few years ago, uh, was he not the consensus one-two with Shane Wright? I believe he was. Yes. Right. So we've been talking about Brad Lambert for years. It's just that he's really fallen. There was another guy uh, last year, right? Was it Aturati? Yes. Uh, who was the consensus one and two uh, with? Um, why am I blanking on who's Owen Power? Owen Power, and. Then he did. He didn't even get drafted in the first round. The Islanders picked him up, I believe, in the second. So yep. I remember I wanted the Habs to get him, and they got me. Yeah, dead. Thank you. appreciate that, guys. Um, what? And he also apparently has some shades of Matt Barzell in his game. Like again, the skill and the speed is right there. It's just everything else. Uh, another guy here. We talked about him here, Daniel Ivan Miroshenchenko. And I know I'm saying it wrong. Uh, a guy who was projected to go top ten. Has top 10 skill, but uh, health questions after fighting non-Hodgkin's lymphoma all of last year. He is cleared to play next season. Um, now, uh, just a word for a lot of these players is a team that probably has multiple first-round picks are the ones who are most likely to take this risk, at least in my opinion. And in a second, I, I am, I'm going to read all the teams that have multiple first-round picks, and some of them are going to surprise you. Um, we're just going to call him Miro for this because it's very difficult to say his name. But that's an interesting player to me, at least. I agree with you. I think that, and it's been written before, Eric Stevens has written about it. Um, James Merle's written about it, that there are teams that are going to be at that lower part of the first round. And when they look at what's, what's there this year between 25 and I'll say 37, I think there's going to be a team that's going to take a chance on them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the third one, this is a guy I've been very interested in. Uh, Lane Hudson. Now, this guy's draft rankings, I believe Scott Wheeler, who's a big fan of him, have him in, have, has him in the first round. Other guys have him around the second. Undersized D, he's 5'8", 159 pounds wet, I, I would assume. Um, but he, like, I at least kind of, the way I read him is he's a boom-bust kind of pick. Great passing, great on zone entries. There's questions about if his game is going to translate to the NHL level. So he screams a normal second-round pick. But again, I wonder if a team takes it. There's a lot of comparisons to Sam Girard. Um, there is a lot in his scouting reports, especially the elite prospects, ones that maybe he's a bit all over the place at least. But that's a guy, if I have an early second rounder, or if I'm a team like Buffalo who has three firsts. Jeez. Pick 28, and we'll go into the details again because it's really fun. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they took a risk on someone like him. So that's oh, a guy yeah. I'm very interested in, is Lane Hudson. I mean, Montreal, Montreal is 26. They do, yes. And then this what? is the guy I was telling you before the show where I wouldn't mind if they took him. Or right. if they used pick 33, I wouldn't mind, but yeah. I wouldn't like Lane Hudson. I like him a lot. 
even though like there's a lot going on in the left side of the world right now, the, not of the world, sorry, the left side of the left side of the world. I, that's a whole other issue, isn't it? Um, if only Mike was here, he'd have plenty uh, to say. Um, okay. Gentlemen, we've mentioned it a few times already. Um, teams with multiple first round picks. Two teams have three firsts. Arizona have third, which is their own. 27, which was Carolina from the offer sheet for Gokinami that Montreal sent for the Dorak deal. And 32, which is obviously Colorado's from the Darcy Kepper deal. The other team is Buffalo. They have nine, which is their own. 16th, which is from the Eichel deal. And 28, which is Florida's from the Sam Reinhardt deal. Never forget that the first for Rencherot is next year and it's unprotected. Five teams have two first-rounders. Montreal obviously have first, which is their own, and 26 from the Tyler Toffoli deal. Winnipeg have two, 30 from the Rangers, the Andrew Kopp deal, and 14th, which is their own. The Anaheim Ducks have 10th, which is theirs, and 22, which is Boston from the Lindholm deal. Columbus have 12th, which is their own, and 6th. Never forget, is Chicago's from the Seth Jones deal last year. Never forget. I feel like no one's talked about that. I know it's been very quiet. It's been super quiet that Chicago does not have their own sixth overall pick, but whatever. If it was in Canada, we'd be roasting. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, And a team that I forgot had their first, but they do. And they have LA's, which is 19 from the Fiala deal along with 24th, which is their own. The Minnesota wild have a pair of first round picks, which I think is very interesting. So uh, look for either of those teams that I've just mentioned to sort of take a funny swing. Or if you're in the case of probably Montreal, Arizona, this team only has one first rounder, but they have so many seconds. Seattle, if they're smart, those teams are going to use their draft capital to move up and get certain players. Um, but that uh, that was fun. It was fun looking back at the first round and being like, oh, well, this and this. The thing that really stood out to me was how Tampa owned their first round pick this year. Obviously not next year and the year after because that's Chicago and the Brandon Hagel deal, I believe. But it's really weird to see Tampa with a first round pick. Because it feels like they it, never have them anymore. It was weird to me, like, like what you mentioned with the Brandon Hagel trade, that when I think about them and I think about immediacy, I always expected, okay, it's going to be this first round pick as well going the other way. But, you know, they did bet on themselves and they're going to give their next two. Don't worry, guys. They're top 10 protected. So. It's just, just ridiculous. Just ridiculous. Um, okay. Now. These are some stories that I want people to keep an eye on in the draft, too. Okay. First off, obviously, the fun starts at one, unless you're a Habs fan, it's not very fun feeling right now. So, Bob McKenzie, in his last draft ranking, after talking to scouts and that, had Yurov Slavkovsky atop his draft ranking, which was a grenade right to Habs Twitter, I will mention. Um, now, I'm also going to read you a quick screenshot that was just a, 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 um, it was just a transcript, transcription of something that Pierre Lebrun saw on Insider Trading. Habs Chronicle had it out. Pierre Lebrun mentioned on Insider Trading that the Habs are still undecided as of today on who they will pick. He believes they are open to flipping the pick with New Jersey if the Devils really want Slavkovsky. Now, that tells me they want right. And Freeman has said also in 32 Thoughts that came out today, uh, the blog, that the Habs have been very close to the chest with what they've been about who they're going to pick. Um, now, guys. Yeah. So go ahead, Alex. No, I was going to say all fun. this is. I was going to say all this is like it's not that it like it's unprecedented, right? Um, I feel like four of three of the last five drafts, 
we've had this where we're approaching the the draft and it's like okay I, we think we have a consensus and then we don't have a consensus uh, pa, uh yeah matthews and line a uh he Shear and patrick um and then kako and hughes all leading up to that draft we all talked about who was gonna go first mm-hmm. there's also the 2013 i remember where seth jones was ranked number one ended up going fourth to nashville and then there was also the rumor too it's like is are the avalanche gonna trade the pick are they open to trading the pick to get improvements immediately for that core instead of taking Nathan McKinnon? I think it worked out for them. <laughs> yes. Was it a discussion? Yeah, because remember they had like that, like O'Reilly, Duchesne, Stasny core. Now, Scott Wheeler has talked about that. I think internally, I feel like those past drafts guys probably know who they're taking. Like Scott Wheeler's talked about apparently – the Leafs were pretty sure about getting Austin Matthews, but mm-hmm. there was a lot of outside noise. So, and this is what's annoying about the Habs is I just wish we knew. Um, but, you know, it, a lot of it, it feels like was fed from the outside. Like, like we look at, like Grant McCagg has obviously just been the bane of my existence. And, and just, it's just been awful. It's just been awful. Don't take Slavkowski. Don't do it. Don't do it. Guy didn't have Simon Nemich in his top 10. Like, let's just don't even, just don't even do this. Liam Algren, though, ah, the great play. No, stop it. Um, but yeah, it's it's been the yeah, Kako Hughes was another interesting one. And even like you look back at the the Heesher draft, too, is internally afterwards it came out that some teams had, I think Freeman was the first one to talk about this, how some teams had Pedersen first overall. And then obviously, then you look at in a redraft, obviously, Haskinen's around there, unless I'm getting this all mixed up. McCarr's obviously first in that list, too. Patrick's close to not being in the league anymore, and he's just a fine player. Which isn't bad, but, I mean, it's just a fine player. And that's the thing with this yeah, draft yeah. is there aren't any superstars. I think if you're taking Shane Wright, you send him back to junior for a year, but they're just going to be solid NHL players, top six forwards, top four D. If you're a good developmental team, maybe you can turn them into something more. But if we're going to have our own discussion here. No. And listen, I've been yelling about Shane Wright for months now, and I'll give a more detailed analysis in a second. But you guys, who would you take first, and why are you taking that player? And I will not scream at you if you say Slavkovsky. I I can go first. I'm going to take Shane Wright. Um, to me, I, I'm just pulling this up here. I had the notes and of course they decided to go away off of me, but the idea here was, I, I like, it, it was super interesting to me on elite prospects where they had, uh, like comparables, you know, at the, they have that at the top and, or shades of, they call it, which I, yes. I actually like, I like that so much better than comparables. It's such a better word. Um, they had Patrice Bergeron. And then they had Mika Zibanejad, yeah. who are like two completely different players in in my eyes, at least. Like when you look at Patrice Bergeron, obviously, uh, probably one of the best defensive forwards, but one of the best two way forwards. Sorry, to mm-hmm. to play. Um, and you know, we've already been talking about Shane Wright. I'm not Shane Wright. Nick Suzuki, who already has shades of Patrice Bergeron. Um, And I think if you can get another guy like that and, you know, 
he has the highest floor according to elite prospects. He has the second highest ceiling. Um, and they have him ranked as the best two-way forward of the draft. And mm-hmm. I think for Montreal, I think having a one-two of Suzuki and Shane Wright, even if they're more de- quote defensively minded centers, also like remember, they say the same thing about Matthews. Remember, his comparable was Anze Kopitar coming in to the first NHL season, and we didn't get that at all. And now he's Joe um, Stanek. Yeah, like we didn't get that at all. So I, I think Shane writes the the answer here. Before I throw it to you, Daniel, I just want to mention, for people who always, and I agree with you so much about the shades of thing, I think what you can see, and people have said maybe he's not going to be a sulky guy at first, but when you see – and this is when people always overblow comparables. And another great reason why shades are good is a lot of really good. Another thing elite prospects have right rated very highly with, with is his problem solving. He thinks the game is incredibly high level. Um, and that is something Patrice Bergeron does very well. So that's where you can see it. A lot of people don't talk about right shot. It's not elite, but it's a damn good shot. So maybe you could sort of see the comparables there to Mika Zibanejad and all that kind of stuff. Go ahead, Daniel. Yeah, for me, it's also Shane Wright. Um, what Alex was saying about all those comparables, those shades, those... I think, for me, yes, he doesn't scream franchise savior uh, right now, but it is that type of player that you do need eventually when you want to compete again. And I think it's just the perfect situation, in my opinion. I the, the Habs have professed patience. They've shown what they're able to do. And it is a system I trust, they're going to take the time they need with someone like Shane Wright. The fit is there as a center. He plays a solid two-way game. And listen, we, we've we mentioned, and we don't know what he's going to be like, but we mentioned Patrice Bergeron a lot. And I know that he made it as an 18-year-old, but what we remember at for Patrice Bergeron was a lot later in his career as well. He debuted in 2004, but then we didn't really see that elite, elite Patrice Bergeron until I'll say 2011 after that massive injury he had you know he went to the olympics but then he just emerged as the star we see him now so i like this pick i like the patience there and i think it just it's a perfect match because it works well with that lack of immediacy with the second team we're going to talk about afterwards Mm -hmm. okay listen here's my thing first off i have slavkovsky fifth fifth i am not a draft expert but I read. All right. That's the best I can give you. I have him fifth because I am terrified of late growers in the draft. I like Yurichek more. I like Nemich more. Apparently it's Nemich, not Nemec, which is annoying. Simon Nemich. I like him more. I like Logan Cooley more. I was tempted to put Frank Nazar higher, but I just, and I want to talk about him especially later because his draft ranking is confusing me a lot. Um, listen, Big guy, I get it, but I'm concerned. I, I'm concerned about his his play in the Liga, the production there. It worries me a lot, okay? It just does. Um, here's my thing with Wright, and it's more against the criticism some people have here. If Shane Wright has been at the top of this draft for years now, this is a guy who was exceptional status since the OHL a couple of years ago, right? Um, and then what happened? covid And the OHL was one of the leagues that got so, so just torn up by it, right? 
And then people look at Wright and his like 90 point year and say he didn't exceed, he didn't get to the expectations that a first round projected guy should be at because he lost a year because the OHL was ruined. He's 18. He's got the hockey sense, the hockey IQ. He's got all the tools there that prove that he should be first overall. And like, just if anyone thinks that a player, and sorry if I've said this on the podcast before, I've had so many discussions with the guys and Mike off the show, group text, FaceTime and all that. I just forget what we've said here and outside. They all phase phases together, right? This has been my life for the past month. I am just, if you think that this kid has peaked at 18 after everything he's been through, I think you're an idiot. And I don't think you should be a scout. I don't. I don't know Wait, how to sorry, skate. You think his Maybe peak is what? So I just, some people will think that she, right, has peaked. Which oh. I, and how dumb does oh. that sound? Uh-huh. Like, I may not be a scout. I may not be a hockey player. But, guys, come on. He's 18. There's all the tools there for Shane, right? And I think he's the best player in the draft above all else. And I don't think when you have that on, I'm not just saying you draft him because he's a center. Because that happened with Kakanemi. It didn't work. That was a bad pick. Everything points towards you should take Shane Wright. And I don't care about how well Savkovsky played against Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan. That doesn't tell me anything. So I think it's Shane all day. And I think the moment you have Suzuki and Wright down the middle for the next 15 years, that's so your center core is so well off and so healthy for that time. And you've got those two, you've got the winger, you've got your defenseman, Romanov and Caulfield, especially. You can see maybe Primo's the guy in the future. You've got pieces there. You're not set off yet, but it's a good way to start. That's simply where I am with Shane Wright first. Okay, um, let me just double, just double. Let me just double check my notes here. Okay, um, another story I want to talk about quickly before we get into all the sort of the list and that. Um, listen, Yurichek and Nemich. For those of you who don't know, they're the top two rated defensemen. Yurichek, I would say, is a more old fashioned sort of great defensive guy. Can't move the puck a bit, but maybe not as well as Nemich. Um, but Yurichek is like six three, big shot. Um, so Yurichek is the big guy, big shot. And Nemich is more obviously like Yurichek. There's a bit too. No, sorry, I was about to get a mix up another defenseman. Um, there's sort of two different ends of the spectrum. A lot of people have been high on Nemich. I know Patrick Talon is especially. Um, but it's been those two all year. I know Elite Prospects actually has Yurichek second. I've seen lists where Nemich is top three. So that's a nice little battle you can keep out for. And people have sort of speculated maybe Seattle go and get one of the defensemen. Um, I guess it's different philosophy. I don't know if maybe they look at the fact that they've got a big grueling defense and maybe they want more puck movers and they take a chance on Nemich, but we can get to to that a little later. Uh, Okay. Guys, I want two things out of this draft, right? I obviously want Shane Wright, and God help me, if Detroit get Frank Nazar, I will be so mad because it just strikes me as the kind of thing they do. Definitely. Definitely. I was thinking about that hard. When we were doing, when I was doing the top ten, Frank Nazar is such an interesting one, because, like, you know, elite prospects have have him at fifth. Mm-hmm. Corey Pronman at the Athletic had him at nineteenth. Bob McKenzie had him at fifteenth. The NHL draft rankings themselves, just North American skaters, have him at twenty first, and Sam Constantino has him at fourteenth. Like. 
I, I have, listen, we'll get, like, I don't get Frank Naz- I get Frank Nazar. I don't get the, um, the just all over the place-ness of where he's ranked. I think it's, for me, like, and this is not my opinion, just what I've been reading. It's just, it's this, the skill is there. Yep. The talent is there, but, you know, what did we say before? He's a bit of a short guy. He's um, 5'10". That's, that's how tall I am. I know, but for a center. That, that's for a hockey player and a center, yeah. Yeah, like the comparables they had for him uh, was what? Marco Rossi. And, you know, that that's still an elite pick, but I think that that's that's what I, I, I in my view, that he's going all over the place along the board, at least for the lottery picks. Maybe the thing, too, is he going to be a center at the NHL level? Like, that's the big thing, right? That's a question about, like, the full transition, but it's just – I love so much of his game. I just don't get – he just screams out he's going to fall, but he's going to be one of the best in his draft class, at least in my opinion. He's got some of the best potential in the, in the and, whole thing. And we've seen that before with a certain someone who may or may not be traded this offseason, Alex Debrinkat. That's always a weird one. He's even – what was it? Like I, I always forget. He's American, right? And he was left off the world junior team. Yeah, he was, like, he was leading – was, wasn't he leading the uh, OHL? Yeah, he was one of the – everyone knew how good he was, but it's like, guy, oh, he tiny boy, he fell. So I, I'm going to – He was tiny boy, fell to 15th. I, I'm going to spoil something a little bit. I did have him as one of my potential picks at 25 and 26. Did you really? I oh. did. I, I think it's a bit of a stretch. Um, It's just – like we've seen it be, it's the NHL. Like we want to pretend like they're and and listen, Detroit may just completely screw things for me. Cause if there's a list, if there's a team in that top 10 that I have no idea what they're going to do, it's going to be Detroit. Like you said. So, but man, would I love him at 25? <laughs> here, here's what's interesting. And I think when we get to, when we talk about them, um, I was going to say Marco Rossi, not Marco Rossi. Um, when we talk a little later about Logan Cooley, and then you can sort of have the same discussion here with Frank Nazar, is who is a new GM that knows the U.S. developmental program really well? Because not only him, but his head coach's sons are playing in it. Can't use. Can't yeah. use. Uh, so that, that's a question I have, and people have been mentioning it because they, they know it really, really well. Um, but yeah, just not Detroit, not Detroit. Okay. Gentlemen, let's get our top 10 up here. Okay, let's do our, we'll do our top 10. Let's do our top 10. I'm going to get the, the cat-friendly draft list up here. Um, I'm not going to lie. I didn't really do it so much fit with team as I just did best player available. Um Mainly because I just Bergevin has scarred me, so I'm just kind of like forget the, the tag of the team. Let's just go best player here. Uh, even though it really does feel like if he's available, the Devils are really going to go after Slipkowski. Weren't they one of the teams who asked if he could play center? No, I'm pretty sure Vancouver did, which was weird. Um, okay, first overall, the Montreal Canadiens. I have Shane Wright. I think you guys already said mm-hmm. it. So yep, we can, we can go to. Uh, second overall, I have Logan Cooley, who's Probably everyone who doesn't know, if, if Wright's the safe two-way player, Cooley's the little tiny boy as well. I don't think he's too tiny boy, but is probably the best facilitator in the draft. So I have him second overall in New Jersey, and I'm ignoring the fact that they already have centers at the wide best player available. I just think he's a good player. This you is know? all if, if they still have that pick. 
Yes, yeah, because right. we know it's yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, yeah, I had Logan Cooley here as well. I think um what the devils have to look at is someone who at least has a bit of are they gonna be NHL ready maybe this year or next year? Because when I talk about immediacy, I think Montreal can do what they can in terms of just stockpiling talent and then continue developing. But I think with the Devils, they've been at it too long and they've added certain contracts and extensions there that there has to be some semblance of another you know, step forward and a result, at least at this point, in my opinion. Alex, who do you have second? I have Slavkovsky. Okay, fair enough. I, I have Slavkovsky at two. I just think, it, I think to me, it's a mix of need and best player available. And obviously, New Jersey, I think clearly, uh, clearly likes him. But I think it seems like he's a power forward, and that's what they need. Like, yes, it's a need, but at the same time, he's the best. He's one of the best players. Um, available and I think whether it's next year or it's two years down the line, slap him next to Hughes or Hishier, and that's ex- a fit and a half, I think, for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, going to third, it's Arizona. I have David Yurichek. Uh, I just think you know, Arizona probably needs to bolster some some D there. So let's see if Chickering's gone. Bit of a different game, but I think that's a pretty solid piece to sort of build there so i have your check three patrick screaming at me running he's like nemich i don't care all right um, um let me go for daniel, go next yeah daniel go yeah. ahead yeah all right for third i have slavkovsky there i think that in my scenario i think the coyotes are going to look at this pick and say you know we arguably got someone who could have gone first uh we really believe that he's going to be a player that's going to help us moving forward and being that franchise guy when he's ready mm-hmm. okay uh, Alex, go ahead. Uh, this time I have Logan Cooley at three going to Arizona. I mean, I can repeat what you guys said, but pretty much for everything you guys talked about. The Coyotes taking a skilled center at number three. I think he's a center. Uh, yes, yeah, is. Dylan Strome. Dylan Strome. Apparently somebody was like, yeah, Strome and that. They don't have a great history with, uh, with the third Luther overall. Pick, yeah. Um, so I'm at the baseball <laughs> game, right? Dylan Strome? Yeah. Oh, yes, <laughs> By the yes. way, I... I think we mentioned, I don't remember if, if we said it on the show, but um, like the Coyotes really had bad luck in the lottery. I think they like always lose, which is a shame, but uh, not really. I saw a really funny tweet that someone joked around. Um, see, the Coyotes don't like Wright because they don't think his game will translate to college ice. That was pretty funny. <laughs> uh, number four, I have Nemich. I just don't, I don't see him getting past. Or especially Seattle. This is the only pick where I looked at the team because it's just been so people have just sort of mentioned offensive D in Seattle all year. I went like to Klingberg and that. Uh, so I, I have Nemich going forward. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, I don't want to interrupt you, Daniel, but I also have Nemich. Oh, yeah, I also. <laughs> okay. So we all have Simon like, it just fits, right? Like we all said they need yeah. a power play quarterback, and everyone just assumed they were going to go get Dougie Hamilton, which they didn't. Um, this is a guy, I guess, who could potentially do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. We move on to the Philadelphia Flyers at fifth overall. And this is where I have Yurov Slavkovsky. And do you know what? Now that I've actually realized I matched him fifth. The fit works. He won't be. He won't make it to five. But Slavkovsky fits fifth. I think he would be a damn good flyer. 
Um, Dan, then Alex, who do you have at five? At five, um, I have David Yurchek going there. Once I saw six foot three and more of a defensive, big defensive, the big defenseman going. Um, I'm like, okay, the Philadelphia Flyers. There it is. Fair enough. Yeah, so I have someone, neither of you said, I have, uh, I have Cutter Gautier. So you still don't have your check, hey? You went with, you went with Cutter. I, I did, just because, and this is where I, I, I look, I did really look at the team and I just read the description and I'm like, and it's not like it's completely off, right? He could go, definitely could go around here, but I, I read this description of him. Big body forward who brings power and goal scoring. See, this is where it starts. The this Philadelphia Flyer. It's it's this is where in the draft. <laughs> hell, it could get interesting. It's like, but Cutter Gautier was a guy on a few lists that he was going high. So yeah. I'm not surprised to hear you to hear you say that. But I, I think you're gonna start seeing our lists get a little a little neat here. Um, you gave five, right? You said you're a check as well, Daniel, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, Columbus six. I have Matt Savoy, who I thought was it was Savoy. But I watched a video of Barnown interviewing him, and he said it was Savoy. He's not French, so maybe that's why. Uh, but I have Savoy, goal-scoring boy. Great hair, by the way. Great hair. Uh, I have him going to Columbus. Oh, for me, I have I have Marco Casper actually going to Columbus. Um, I thought that'd be a solid pick. Um, that high, eh? Yeah, someone who I think he has the good upside. You know, they... They did really well with Cole Cylinder last year. Not going to say he's going to make it to the NHL right away, Marco Casper, but he is someone that he has the upside I like about it, and I think Columbus would do well to just get another center because they always need more forwards. Go ahead, Alex. Oh, never, sorry. I, I want to talk about Casper in a second, though, because so, I really uh, like him. At, at six, I have David Juracek. Okay, all right, fair enough. Going to Columbus. I, new yeah, exactly. So so the elite prospect stuff is really funny because they have like different charts and information. When you go to Marco Casper, it's just the first thing they show are his is his shot heat weight heat map, right? And they're all in front of the net. It's really funny. When I was reading it, I saw the shot map and I'm like, wait a minute. And then I look at his description. Shades of Zach Hyman and Brendan Gallagher. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, there it is. Um, there. A lot of the European guys seem to really like Marco Casper. Another guy whose ranking is a bit mixed. I have him a little further down, I won't lie. But um, yeah, good old guy. We go to seven. It's Ottawa. I have Joachim Kemmel. I had a really difficult time sort of ranking guys as we go here. I thought about putting Craig Nazar around here. I was going to have him six, but I just something in my head's like, nah, they won't be, they won't be smart, and the Sens won't be smart enough, and they're going to get Joachim Kemmel. Nothing against Kemmel, but mm-hmm. uh, for me here going there, I think at seven, I have the uh, new prospect we just talked about, Matthew Savoy. <laughs> Because I did not know how to say his last name either. So, yeah. But I have him going to Ottawa. Um, they're a team that they could do really well getting more centers as well. You know, Kirst Tierney is still playing quite a few minutes. Um, they probably want to take the next step. I think it goes well. There is a – sorry, just before you go, Alex. I think there is a debate about who's the better goal scorer between Savoy and Kemmel. So, and again, Kemmel's another guy, I'll admit. 
was up and down some lists. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, I have Savoy at, at going to Ottawa as well. We are pretty uh, somewhat around here. <laughs> We're on a little not as divided as I thought we would be. Um, number eight, Detroit. I put Frank Nazar. I put yeah. him there. I have Man, him there. I'm going to hate it so much when I get him. It's annoying. Uh, Daniel, who do you have at eight? Um, that's when I, this is where I have Kemmel. Oh, okay. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, that's actually okay. also where I have Kemmel. Um, number nine is where I put uh, Cutter Gautier. Okay. Uh, who knows with Buffalo? I mean, they're they're going to have a wild draft, I think, regardless of all they have. Uh, nine with you guys. Daniel? For me, I have, and I don't know if I'm going to say his name right, but uh, Nathan Gosher. Go, go. Gosher from the Q playing in Quebec. Um, big two-way center guy. I think um, they have gone off the board before when they had top picks like Jack Quinn. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have a, the Tage Thompson bias right now. I'm like, look what they're doing with their big centers. Jano, you did go a bit mixed there. I was trying to remember. I'm like, it's a familiar name, but where? Because he is – I mean, you, it, off the board exactly. Uh, fair enough. Daniel, I mean, Alex – Nine. Uh, I have Connor Geeky going number nine. Now, I, so I know this is a guy who was up there, yeah. uh, is, especially earlier in the year, and has kind of fallen down. And, and I mean, he might not even go ninth. But that being said, Buffalo has in the past taken guys, has taken a guy who may be projected to be a little later and taken him in the top 10. I have neither of your picks in my top 12, by the way. Again, this is where you're going to see it's going to be wild. Yep. Uh, okay, number 10, it's Anaheim. This is where I have Marco Casper. I don't know. It, I feel like Verbeek would really like a player like him. I feel like he really would. Uh, go ahead. Dan. Alex and Dan, why not? You want me to go first? Yeah, why not? Uh, so I have pa- going to Anaheim, I have Pavel Minchikov, who obviously we talked about earlier, Russian guy. I still think he stays in the top 10, and it's Anaheim. It's he's a defenseman. That's a very good point. <laughs> it's and a the, very good like, point. And again, the, because it's it feels like a bit of a toss up in terms of not that they're not the the players in this range aren't good. It's just that there's a lot of depth. I think you yeah. could say uh, in this draft, I would wouldn't be surprised to see him go uh, number ten to Anaheim. I don't have him far behind you, Alex. I won't lie. Uh, Daniel, go ahead. All right, so for the Ducks, uh, the pick I'd want here is Kevin Korchinski. I think that he is a definition of the new but also classic type of pick the Ducks would have. So he has a lot of size, has a bit of bite to his game, but he moves the puck very, very well. Um, from what I've read, also from The Athletic, you know, not Eric Carlson level, but, you know, he could, de- he could develop a bit of that handle that Brett Burns had later on. You have a wild list, Daniel. I won't lie. You have the wildest one here. Uh, Okay. (laughs) Number 11, we have the Sharks, funny enough. Okay. I have a guy who has been very mixed. And it's very important where I want to make a quick pause here. So, obviously, Bruce Garriock and Elliot Freeman sort of both sort of said the Canadians are very interested in getting into the top 10. Fun splash. Like another pick, I should say. Now, they interviewed Cooley. They brought him to dinner. They brought Wright to dinner. And there was another player they brought to dinner. Swedish, skating ability, goal scoring. Shades of Mike Hoffman. Let's hope the five-on-five play is a little better, though. 
at 11 and a guy I really I would like the Habs to get if they if they got him I'd be happy. Uh, I'm going to say it wrong. I know I am. Jonathan Lakiri Mackey. Lakiri Mackey, the Swede is who I have at 11 and I would not be surprised if the Habs walked away or at least tried to get him at the draft. Uh, who has 11th? Sorry. Uh, San Jose. Ooh. Interesting. And Josh Anderson will be a San Jose shark. Let's just throw him in another, another, another contract. Unless Lecker Mackey falls to 13 and uh, (laughs) hello there Islanders. Anyway, though, who do you guys have at 11? Uh, For me, I have, this is where I have Frank Nazar. I think that this is where you kind of take. What's wrong? No, it's just, I'll, I'll let you finish. Okay. Um, I saw you had this look. Um, I think because when I was looking at what the Sharks need, they kind of need a bit of everything. Um, but I think with Nazar, it's someone that, and I, I mentioned before, he has the Marco Rossi comparison. And I think the way San Jose is right now with who they have there, they have to use this pick to get what I view a high potential pick someone that could really develop later on to being a cornerstone guy for them. So I think they take the swing here. It's just 11 for Nazar. It's just so disrespectful. It's like, Daniel, you don't have Jurassic Park on your, like, what is it? Oh, you're gonna it's so disrespectful. It's, and you've done it with Frank Nazar. By the way, Lecker Mackey, I wanted to mention, is a guy who's had a very wide draft thing. I wanted to mention that he's been all over, but it's just, it's just so disrespectful. Um, I, I have Marco Casper at eleven. Oh, okay, good, 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 good. Sorry, I, I've I've just I just realized I instant I I I realize I'm just like oh I I'm the only one who went to twelve and I'm like guys what you're okay. eleven I went far. I just realized I made you guys. It's okay. It's okay. Um. Okay. Twelve. I, I think we Daniel and I know enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, number twelve <laughs> is where I have Pavel Minyukov uh, going to Columbus. Uh, that's where that's where I have him. Which I want to say, is he the top? Because I, I think is I want to double check, but I know I mentioned it, but is he the guy who plays with Saginaw? Yes. Maybe. So I think he is the top rated OHL defenseman, by the way. Um, I think I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that, but I think he is. Um, uh, yes, he is. He's the okay. top North American defenseman. Oh, okay. NHL draft prospect ranking. Um, and you guys, your 12 picks. In- <laughs> Just uh-huh. out there. I, uh, same as you, Adam. <laughs> so you don't have Gautier in your top 12? No. Wow. Go ahead, Alex. Uh, I'll go with uh, Jonathan Lecker. I can't say it. Lecker and Mackey. Lecker and Mackey. I can't Is wait that to how you pronounce how it. I, can't, I think so. I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was Nemec all year into the Nemec. And I'm still don't, I still don't believe it's Nemec. <sighs> um, okay, let me just double check to make sure we covered everything. Oh no, we need to go and talk about the, the twenty five and twenty six. Okay, so um, listen, I'd love to talk more about the Leafs in their draft. They have three picks. I believe it's the third from Winnipeg, which was the Dermot deal. Yes, that was the Nate Schmidt pick. I think they have a seventh or sixth, and then they obviously have their first rounder now. Kyle Dubas changed his Twitter picture to him for the phones, and which was funny. Like he's got the two phones up to his ear. Uh, we know Dubas loves himself a draft day deal, so wouldn't be surprised if he does that. If he moves up, he moves down. Who knows? Um, maybe a little difficult with with how little draft picks they have, but you never know. Um, so here are the guys I have projected for Toronto to get. 
First off, and this was a guy I picked him because of the lists I really condensed, he was most consistently in this range, and that's Jimmy Snuggerud. Great name, by the way. Yeah. Um, he's not the best facilitator in the draft, but he's, for the 20s, I think he's a good option. Uh, yeah, again, he's around 24 to 25 pretty consistently, so I thought he was a good pick. Um, I'm less certain that this player is going to be available, and I'm not saying it just because I live in Pickering. It's Owen Pickering. Um, uh, I almost put him on my list. I won't so lie. He, he's a guy who has the tools. He's got size. He's got skill. Apparently good on the back check. Apparently elite prospect says he has to work on the stride because he's 6'5", so that's sort of expected. Apparently he's grown 10 inches in three seasons, good which Lord. is insane. Um, and the third player I have is Owen Beck from, I believe, the Mississauga Steelheads. Yeah. Um, he's one of the better two-way guys in the draft. Production wasn't amazing, but to quote the lead prospects, uh, quote, it was the keen eye of our OHL regional scout, Lauren Kelly, who cut through the noise of his good, not great boxcar stats and found the signal of his true talent. And the more scouts we assign crossover work on this file, the better the esteem in which we held him as a group. So those are three guys I see around that range. For Toronto or for Montreal? Oh, Toronto, so I, yeah, Toronto. Oh, okay, okay. So I did a little bit differently because Toronto and Montreal actually have back-to-back picks. So I, so I have three guys who I think could get to that point. Um, so my first one, I do have, like, I don't really think it's going to happen. And I do know it's a bit of a stretch, but again, it's the NHL and we know how it runs. I do have, like I said before, I have Frank Nazar in that range. Now it's probably highly unlikely that he gets there, um, but there are other draft rankings that do have him a little later on. Uh, Obviously he's not going to be in the NHL next year. He's going to U of Michigan. Um, Elite prospects have him ranked with the highest ceiling and is the best transition forward. Mm -hmm. He has the ability to play on the penalty kill, which if you're the Leafs, you can most definitely use, especially considering he can play center. He, he might not be a center in the NHL, but he can play it. Um, but I, I have this quote from Sam Cosentino's draft ranking. It goes, uh, he's a competitive player who plays the game quick and fast. He's relentless and he brings a second effort and his offense comes from his compete. A small skilled player. It just screams the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Or the house, but like I, I do hope if he's there, the Leafs take him. Uh, my second player, and maybe this could be more Montreal than Toronto uh, at this point, but it's even Ivan Miroshin. Miro. Miro. Okay. Um, obviously, we know why his season was re- derailed. We talked about it before. Um, he could drop even more just because of the situation going on uh, in Russia. Um, he's six foot one, 185 pounds. Again, this is another guy with a lot of skill that could drop in the draft. And I think that screams Toronto and Montreal. He can, mm-hmm. and he was valuable on the, on the power play this year. He was a centerpiece of Omsky Kirillia's power play in the VHL. And this is my last one. Yeah. And I, when I saw this player, I'm like, oh my God, this is just he's a truck of a human being. Uh Leon Bichel, he's he was ranked 28th by elite prospects. He is okay. six foot five, 225 pounds. 
Paul Maurice would love it. So Elite Prospects had him as the second hardest hitter and the fifth best defensive defenseman. And they have it that he, and, and what I've read other places that he'll probably be more of a project. Um, and especially if he can get more comfortable in different areas, you know, like puck handling, he could definitely be a useful piece of a decor. Like this isn't a guy who's going to be the flashy defenseman. Um, and, and he's not going to get up large point totals or quarterback the power play. But I think with the development staff in both Toronto and Montreal, I could see either team take a chance on him and see what they can do. Fair enough. I also I appreciate the credit to Montreal's developmental staff. They haven't earned it, but I appreciate that. It's you getting there. It's getting there. Uh, it's getting there. Okay, uh, Daniel, go ahead. Your projections around here. Okay. Um, pretty funny. When you mentioned that you guys had three players going potentially here for Toronto's pick, um, I <laughs> kind of misread it as what are who do you want for Toronto's three picks? So I actually picked one player for each pick. Oh my god! But I will go ahead. Okay, it worked out well for the first pick. Um, I'm gonna go a bit off the board. So I actually have two potential guys. I thought the Leafs were gonna get at 25. So my first one, and this is a bit of a reach, is gonna be Thomas. Uh, Thomas Hamara. So he is from Czechia. He's 18 years old. Um, what they say about him on Elite Prospects is he's a fluid offensive defender who blends a great deal of deception into his rush patterns and transitional game. Above average puck skills. He could recognize available time and space, and he excels at protecting the puck and transitioning it up uh, against pressure. So, you know, kind of like a Rasmus Sandin type of pick, but he's a guy that I think he has the upside to to develop into a great player. Um, I know he's a left-hand shot, but he's someone that he was ranked between going from 30 to 45. But if he's available there, I think the way the draft's going to be like that at the bottom of it, that could be a good pick. Um, another pick, and it's actually one that I don't know if he's going to drop, but he is someone I was looking at maybe for the Ducks, but if they don't get him, I think he'd be good. And that's Reed Schaefer. He's mm-hmm. playing for Seattle right now. Um, someone that I think could be, and I view it as the consolation or getting the Nick Ritchie projection correct this time because he's a lot of he's a better skater. He's about the same size as Nick Ritchie in his draft year, and I don't know he he has a bit of a tough game to it, but that's not everything. I don't think he has that status of becoming simply a grinder, but he's someone that he adds a bit more of a, of, I guess like diversity in the skill set for what Toronto has right now in terms of the number of wingers they have. Fair enough. Um, Mm. Anyone else or. Oh, those were the two I had for the first round. Okay. Okay. So yeah, go ahead and do your late ones. Okay. My late ones is, and this guy's a bit of a reach as well. And it's a goalie. Oh, okay. The third round pick. It is Hugo Havlet. So from Sweden, he's done pretty well um, these last few years. He's been playing with the U18 team. Um, you know, he has a point two. I know it's a bit obscure, but he has a point two nine save percentage. Played point a few games two? there. Wait, a point nine two nine. I'm like, okay, because if he has a point two nine, I don't know if he's a good goalie. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's been playing a bit everywhere. Um, he has really solid numbers with the national junior team. Uh, 
he's someone that I could you could see stockpile here for now and just see where he goes. I think he has a lot of a higher upside than what I think the Leafs currently have in their system. Mm-hmm. Right now, um, he is the second ranked goalie by National Central Scouting for Europeans. I see. It's funny. I couldn't find him on Elite Prospects just now. I did the word search because this is a like this is not a great year for goaltenders. Yeah. So I'm impressed that you found one that you liked. I'll give you that. Um, sorry, was that your? Was that that your, was that was the third round pick. Okay, yeah. Their seventh round pick, and I'm I'm also gonna go to Sweden. So it is Rasmus Rudslat. Also eight. Yes, also 18. Um, he is ranked 99th of European skaters by Central Scouting. Um, yeah, I think like he's just one of those guys that he is just getting into playing with the junior team. He's playing so he played a lot of junior hockey and he was pretty solid. Last year he had 19 points in 26 games. Team didn't make the playoffs, but for a really late seventh round pick, I'd take the chance. Fair enough. Uh, I, I give you, uh, like, I'm, I'm impressed you found late round picks and you even found the goalie. I'll give you that. I hadn't heard it out of either of those guys. Um, okay. For Liz Kennedy and the Morial. Those are keeping out here now. Okay. Awesome. If they're moving up, I think it's safe to say either that pick or pick 33 is going to be gone, right? So. And if you don't know, the reason I keep mentioning pick 33 is obviously the Habs have the first pick in the second round, which is 33. Um, or as, as I love second round picks this time of the year because they all of a sudden become late firsts in a way. This is why you got to be careful evaluating trades now because it's not just pick, it's draft order now. People always got to remember that this time of the year. Okay. Here are some guys I have around here. Uh, first off, there were two guys who, if the Habs are going to reach – Maybe not the first, but I just want to get them out the way because people have said that maybe they could be targeting these guys. First off, Juden, du- Jordan Dumay um, and a guy named Adam Sikora, who's a guy who people are saying is going to be an NHLer. They just got to exactly figure out where his sort of projections are. But I'm not going to go too deep because we've been going for like an hour and we got to talk about other stuff, unfortunately. But um, a lot of Habs sites have them talking about them. If you're on Habs Twitter, you've probably heard about Adam Sikor already. Um, I think it's Habs Eyes on the Prize have talked about Dumay. I've Obviously, I was going to say Miro, but Alex sort of beat me to it there, so I'm not going to. Um, so the guy I have, if they don't trade this pick, Jack Hughes, baby, we're going to GM, son. Let's go. Yeah. We're reaching. We're getting Jack. Let's go. Character. Woo. Jack Hughes. Uh, or Noah Olsen. But I don't want to get Noah Olsen because Grant McCagg really likes him. He's projected around 27th. Um, he's probably one of the best problem solver players. We know the Habs love their sort of um, – they love their hockey IQ guys. Uh, good skill and all that. Physical, not the greatest, not the best shooter. Um, but I like Noah Olsen a lot. Um, but, yeah, uh, go go yeah, go yeah do that. Uh, go uh, check out breaking, – we, we have breaking news. What's the oh, level? Okay. One to ten. Uh, I don't – uh, eight eight okay well, this is yeah. bruce cassidy was ten, like a, what we're, we're moving on from the draft unfortunately or you have unless you have anything to say no one up. looks like no one look at your phones no one go on okay Twitter. okay okay no one look at your phone this is big i mean it's the first can thing I, on the can dock I predict it? can i predict it yeah take a guess because you said tampa i'm going to assume that and i'm not looking alex my phone is down yeah. i'm going to guess that st louis have just acquired ryan mcdonough 
No, not St. Louis. Okay. The Ooh. Nashville Predators have acquired Ryan McDonough in exchange Ooh. for in exchange for defenseman Philip Myers and forward Grant Mismash. That mismatch. That's it. That's it. Oh, he Who agreed to waive it then. Wow, he agreed to waive it. Ryan McDonough. Forget mismatch. More like a mismatch. Who the uh, hell is that guy? So mismatch. He's twenty three. Skated in fifty seven games for the Milwaukee Admirals and had six goals and twelve points in his rookie season. For Ryan, he was a se- he was a second round pick in twenty seventeen. And and Philip Myers. Wasn't he a throw-in for the... He was in the Ryan, the Ryan Ellis, Ellis trade. Yeah. Who just didn't work out in, in Nashville. Was he the guy that the Marlies had on loan? Yes. <laughs> for Ryan, Mc- that's it? Well, they have no leverage. Oh, my God. I, you know what my first guess was? What? They traded the rights to Andre Palat. Oh no. No, that's not an eight. That's I guess if he would sign with a new team. That's um that's underwhelming. That's a shame for Ryan McDonough. So Yossi McDonough. Oh Nashville. Oh Nashville. I wonder Uh, what that means for uh so I don't know if you know Kyle Cushman's on Twitter. Uh, he went to Ryerson, or he's at Ryerson, yes, 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 yes. Uh, or TMU. Uh, he goes, interesting trade. Tampa will almost certainly buy out Myers and get a cap credit for 22-23, helping their cap even more. Now, I'm going to go look at what that would be real quickly. Guys, there's always, like, listen. Stop. You're, Stop why are you getting it. a penalty? I mean, why are they getting a credit? Get out of uh, here. Because of the, yeah, <laughs> they'll get a cap They'll get a cap credit for this year because because of his age. What do you mean his age? What because it determines the bio, the way the bio works. Great league, great. Yeah. I I can't believe Ryan McDonough just got cap dumped. That's so bad. Oh well, I guess we can talk about Tampa Bay because we were going to mention the fact that Elliot Friedman had a piece on Sportsnet talking about how they needed to move him to try and bring back RFAs like Andre Palat and Nick Paul, who they did give an extension to. Uh, it is a bit of a big one, though. It is a bit of a big one. The AAV, not the Rangers, Adam. I wanted to get up Nick Paul is three point one five million dollars, so three dollars and some spare change, three million dollars and some spare change. And uh, the length is seven years, seven years for the uh, for the UFA. Um, yeah. I think I have an unpopular opinion with this trade. So I'll first off ask you guys with the trade uh, or with the signing we, or both. Um, well, I don't think it's an unpopular opinion that McDonough got you nothing. But yeah, the, the leverage thing, I, I get it. It's just a shame. But I, I think I have a thing with the Nick Paul trade. And Alex, you and I briefly talked about this in our group chat. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm. I'm just. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm still processing the for the Montreal Montreal Canadiens legend Ryan McDonough. <laughs> Never forget Scott Gomez. Love Never you, um, Ryan McDonough, former captain of the New York Rangers, a two-time Stanley Cup champion, a player I just sung so much about this year, saying if he wasn't healthy that the Leafs were going to beat Tampa, and then he was healthy, and then Tampa made it to the finals, is gone. Like that's such a big debt to Tampa. It is. It, yeah. Like it. It, the cap fight. I mean, it has hurt them, but I mean, Sergachev has to step up. 
Sergachev has to step up. So yeah. we talked about this last episode. Does this mean now that, you know, a lot of the other guys now are going to throw in there? Like, is Zach Bogosian going to be a regular guy now again? Um, well, he was a regular guy. He was playing top four minutes in the cup final. Oh, no, I mean, like, is he going to like he played be- top four minutes when they won the first cup? I know, I know. But I mean, like, because remember, he was going back and forth with Calfoot. Like, would it be like consistent with that? Or is it going to be Calfoot also coming in consistently? Well, that's another guy you need to take a step. And like, listen, like their top four isn't like, yes, it's taken a step back. But again, they're I don't think they're done by the way, either like they're going to sign Andre Palat. It's going to be to some contract that everyone just completely didn't expect. And then they'll add someone on D like, I I don't think this is over. Like, you know what I mean? I get it. It looks bad now. And same with the Nick Paul trade, but uh, sorry, the Nick Paul signing. It's just, it's not over. Like this is obviously not over and they're still coming back with, for the most part, the same core. I think you got to trade. Um, like, I, I if you're bringing back Palat, like, is Kalorn not done? Because you can't Why sign. Oh, that's a big number, and Palat's going to get a raise. And you need to sort of strengthen that defense. Is he going to get a raise? He scored a lot of goals. He scored a lot of goals. Would you be worried about For Brendan sure. Hagel because he has one more year after this? He has two more years after this, does he not? Yeah, two more years. Two years? Yeah. Friendly, don't it, friendly, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. friendly moved ahead. No, Hagel, I'm, I'm sure they wish Hagel was more healthy, but I'm not worried about Hagel. No, I'm just worried about – I'm worried about the left side of that defense and how it's going to look because that's what made them special. What I'm worried about, too, is – listen, Nick Paul is a good player. I just mm-hmm. worry – and I'll wait to see a Palat contract. I just start to worry – if you don't trade Kalorn, and there's some term left on that deal, I'm pretty sure. Actually, I have cap friendly. I want to double check that uh, Mr. Kalorn still has. Oh no, he's this up is next his year. Last year. Oh, I'm a, I'm an idiot. Then never mind. I was gonna say you got to be careful. Is you don't want to turn into the Kings and Blackhawks and start overpaying and give too much term. Now I think they may have avoided. I'm not saying Brent Seabrook and Ryan McDonough are the same situation because McDonough is still a hell of a player. But I just think you, you got to be careful when you're giving out too much term. Like Nick Paul, $3 million is manageable. And Alex made a good point to me on text, which Alex, if you want to make it here too, about why I shouldn't oh, be worried that they gave him seven years. Because in two years or in three or four years when the cap's $95 million and he's playing in the top six, because he will play in the top six. This isn't a, Nick Paul's story with the Tampa Bay Lightning is far from over. It's just yeah. begun clearly. Um and he's making $3.1 million playing in the top six who no one's going to care. <laughs> you know, it just hit me in the head. What if they got uh what if they got? Uh, no, no, they, they, I don't think they can afford crystal tank. Plus it sounds like he's, it sounds like he's, he can probably get a, sounds like he, he'll probably be getting done in, 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 uh, in Pittsburgh. How does they get Malkin? Oh my god! No, that doesn't make sense. I'm trying to like think who's a D they could go after. Like who's a, a depth D? Anton Strom? No, no, they don't bring him back. They bring back Lucien. I'm just, I'm just a little stunned here. I don't love giving a player who's not a star seven years. 
You know what I mean? That's just a thing. That's a personal thing. I don't like that. It's just like, like Nick Paul got seven years. It reminds you of, is it the Trevor Lewis deal? Who was the king that had like a small cap hit, but he had like a, a, an eight-year deal? Um, I want to say that was Trevor Lewis. Trevor Lewis. Uh, like, I will. I'll double check that? real quick. I'm not doubting Julian Breezeball. It's just, um, it's just. Uh, I'm a little worried about Tampa. I'm, I'm worried about replacing McDonough. I'm, I'm worried about because that is a very difficult defenseman to replace. Yeah, when they first got him, I thought. Like that was the piece that they really needed. Um, someone that I thought was going to remain untouched for a while because the way that forward group went, like they were able to kind of find a lot more replacements here. But I know they're not done, but it's just that it, that is a significant piece. And he's still playing at a really high level. We should mention good trade for Nashville, obviously. Oh yeah, that's um, a hell of a player. I want to. So what? Wonder... Even their left side now is ridiculous. Madonna, Yossi, Yossi and, and Echo. And oh, <laughs> you forgot about Echo. <laughs> Holy crap! That's amazing. Unless I uh, watch watch Ryan McDonough have to have surgery. So I does this? Oh, sorry, on Alex. No, no. I'm just saying I wouldn't put it past that to happen. So did they redeem themselves from the Ryan Ellis trade? Well, I think what also makes the Ryan Ellis trade look good is that Ryan Ellis still hasn't played. And apparently that rehab isn't going amazing. So, uh, yeah, David Poyle, uh, respect, man. Respect. Oh, man, there's a lot there. Uh, Shall we move on? That was... Now the question is, how are they going to afford... Are they going to bring back Philip Forsberg? Sorry, it's, I was thinking, thinking too. Yeah, that. I think they had what like eighteen million room, so they probably could. They yeah, they have eighteen million in room right now, so they could McDonough. probably get. They could get it. They could get it done. Plus, like I'm trying to think, who else is who's up there? Like who's a big name? That's um, that they may there's have? no, there's no other necessarily big names, but I think if you want to get better, and this move I think shows that they clearly don't think what they have like sorry this move shows that they want to get better um well we'll see I mean, that's the thing you want to make you want to make well yossi needs a bit of support mcdonald's not going to put the offense stuff but he'll take less defensive strains from other guys which makes yossi um saros's job a lot easier oh yeah and then obviously it helps that guys like duchene can score again and then you bring back forsberg who's really good and I don't know. I, I, they're not going to beat Colorado, obviously. Like, no. even if they had Soros, they weren't going to beat Colorado. But I don't know. Maybe it moves them up. Like, for example, you look at Nashville now, and let's say they bring in for like Forsberg does resign. They have McDonough. If they play, ah, uh, let me just think. Like, if they lose Huso, do you like him more than the Blues? Maybe the Blues have a more dynamic forward core. But you, we know they wanted McDonough for a certain reason. It puts Nashville in a very weird place in, in the hierarchy. Have they surpassed, now that Fiala is gone and the cap crunch that could be coming in Minnesota, have they overcome the wild? Overall, in the West, are they better than Edmonton? Who knows what their goaltender? No. I think like it's it's it's. I think the Preds have done good. Oh, Unless for sure. Goldberg, it, and it's it, like, ah, well, never mind, you suck again. It, it just all comes down to the forward core like is Matt Duchesne gonna be 
what Matt Duchesne was this year. Is Ryan Johansson, I mean, he, again, he wasn't fantastic, I guess, this year, but he was good enough. Is he going to be good? 60 points. No. Yeah. There's is also- he going to be? Yeah. But he makes $8 million. Is he going to be good oh, yeah. enough? Right. Like that's the thing um, is the, and I'm not saying it, they won't. I'm just, that's what I think a lot of next season is riding on for the team. Cause you know, that decor is going to be good. You know, yeah. UC Saros is going to be good, but what's killed them the last few years is are your star forward quote unquote star forwards going to be, are they going to show up in the same manner they did this year? Mm-hmm. Is this finally Cody Glass's year, guys? I don't know about that. Listen, listen. I like them without goaltending because Huso is going to be bad for the Blues. You could argue the Preds are top three in the Central right now, at least. At least you can say that. Colorado's up there, and then argue between like Minnesota and that. Like I think they're they're above Dallas. They're above. Obviously, the Jets, the Blackhawks, and the Coyotes. Um, I think they're a playoff team next year. I think they're a playoff team. We'll, we'll, think, we'll talk about them. We'll, we'll yeah. see if you are preseason tier list. It's a good question, though. It's 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 it builds on what Nashville have always been, de- like a star-studded defense. But is there enough scoring? That's the big. That's the question. Is there enough scoring there? We'll see. What are you going to say, Daniel? Oh, it's the same thing you said. Like, we'll see because the Philip Forsberg situation and to get to take away that amount of offense from a team that I think did a lot better than we all thought they would. Um, will it really get them to that next level or just stay pretty balanced on how they were? Where they are a team that make the playoffs, but we don't really see them as a serious threat even in the second round. You know who you could probably get for cheap that could get you an easy goal? Right winger, Phil Castle. I don't think that they would. That'd be a, I can say that's a national move. And why will Phil Kessel be a Tampa Bay Lightning? Ah, gross. <laughs> but, you know, good on them. Good on them. Uh, uh, I have, I have exactly what what's going to happen. So without with a, this is from Frank Cervelli. Mm-hmm. With a buyout of Myers, who has a unique unique cap credit that we've reported on. The Tampa Bay Lightning will have cleared more than $7.3 million in cap space with this trade. So let's, I just wanted like, cause I get it. I understand why it looks like a crap deal from Tampa's perspective, right? If you don't look at it from the cap, but this is what Gary Bettman has created. Don't ever be confused. If you ever want to rag on someone or something, it's Gary Bettman and his and his salary cap child that he has created. Remember when Mark Andre Fleury got traded for pennies, for a single penny? You know what's the worst for that to, one? Like, remember, I hate to be mean to that guy, but a literal penny, like a single penny. You know what made me sad about that one? What? Um, the Athletic interviewed the player that Chicago traded for Mark Andre Fleury, and then he was talking about he just wanted to try to make the team and everything, and then they bought him out like a week later. I was going to say, didn't he get that or terminated? Oh, yeah. Um, Pavel Datsuk is apparently set to retire. We talked about Zetterberg last episode. If Pavel Datsuk isn't the first battle Hall of Famer, I'm going to cause a riot. Like, talk about like, like you know how young players stare like, ah, oh, I watch Mitch Marner, I watch Patrick Kane. Those guys watch Pavel Datsuk. Like, I don't like. Uh, I think what's the joke is how how many scoring titles would Datsuk have if he didn't play under Mike Babcock? 
and he still had like 900 points and great two-way player, like legit one of the most watchable stars ever in this game. Like just watch his ankle breakers against like the, the one against McKinnon's funny. No, that was Crosby. Um, or just and like his his just watch him. Just watch Papadatsu. One of my favorite player plays from Papadatsu. It's not even a, it's not even a skill one. Even though like the puck on the string goal and all that um, was a play against the Nashville Predators once, and it speaks to how smart a player Papadatsu was. He's carrying the puck in and he gets knocked off of it by Shea Weber. Right, tries to do it again, gets knocked off the puck. Right, and it, Detroit guys have the call. And Pavel comes back into the zone very, like, third attempt, very sort of nonchalantly, right? And you just hear the, the color guy for Detroit go, just one more time, watch this. Weber's coming in, and Datsu gives him the backwards hit. And, and just and it, on Shea Weber. It's, like, one of the funniest plays ever. But, like, like, I don't know if there's a more skilled player ever than Pavel Datsu. Get that man in the Hall of Fame as soon as possible. Because, damn, I miss watching Pavel Datsu. And Olympic gold medalist now, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, because yeah. I, I could be wrong on, on this one, and you guys remind me. When the NHL banned Spinoramas in the shootout, was he not one of the guys who you were – was he not one of the guys who used to do it a lot? Or am I thinking of a completely different player? I think it's I Patrick Kane, he used to do it a lot. Ooh, it, like the, it, it was the momentum of the stop. They're like, oh, you're actually stopping a bit in the shootout. I know. I want to say there was an Euler or a Leaf who used to do it a ton. I don't remember. I think Datsu would just normally outweigh the goalie and do it. Um, but I'm sure there were a few things that made that Datsu would do where, where goalies would be like, I don't know if that's legal. But that's just more than being upset because their jock strap is up in the rafters after what Datsu did to them. God, I, I miss Pavel Datsu. That guy was, was so fun to watch. Um Brock Besser resigned with uh with the Canucks. That was something. Uh it's, to end the rumors. Um, yeah, I hope so. For that that guy, it wasn't the thing with 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 um with Besser. He just wants to know if he's gonna go or not. Uh it's a three-year deal, six point six five per. It will be a UFA at the end of it, obviously. Um, I think he's been pretty honest about I think there was this quote of him saying, you know, if I had scored like five more goals, maybe we're in the playoffs. He scored 20 goals again this year. For It was a pretty up-and-down year for the Canucks. I think just what's going to help him is just a full year, be healthy with Boudreaux, and if, if Vancouver don't like the fit, then just go somewhere that's going to like him. I know some advanced stats don't love his play driving in that, but the man can score goals. He's, you can get a lot for that. And it's always nice to see a guy who deserves it get paid. Oh, yeah, and he was, he – it literally felt like he was a complete, especially at the start, he was just a completely different player under Bruce Boudreau. It, it was just the the start of the season was just not it for him. Uh, and when Bruce Boudreau came in, and, and he wasn't the only one who benefited from that. I think Patterson did uh, as well, but he was one of the guys who really benefited from Bruce Boudreau coming in. Yeah, I think this is a good, good sign for where the Canucks are at right now. I liked how they did play down the stretch when they made a lot of those changes and to see it in a full season now, to see that there is that a bit of a security for the young guys, at least for what that core is supposed to be. I think if you're a Canucks fan, there is a bit more of confidence now going into next season and 
trying to rediscover what helped them get into the playoffs a few years ago. Uh, next, coaching carousel. Uh, only one team needs a head coach now, and it's one that had one a few days ago. Um, we'll get to the Sharks in a second, though. First off, the Winnipeg Jets have a new head coach. Uh, I don't think anyone thought it was going to be Rick Bonus, but it is. Uh, the team that needs to play defense, they bring in a defensively-minded coach. I just hope Nick Ehlers – I hope Bonus likes Nick Ehlers. That's all I want. I don't love the hire because it's another recycled coach, but fair enough. To me, it feels like we're still – it's going to be Paul Maurice, still similar-ish to what we saw under Paul Maurice. I feel like we're not really getting a change. I don't know if that really benefits the way that team is built. You're not wrong. Daniel, I don't know. When I first read it, I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I guess what we expected, and I think we, we you did want that Barry Trotz signing for, for real. I think that would have been a real paradigm shift for the Jets, but now I kind of just feel like they do make another change, but in the hypothetical, like it's the same team. Um, can you motivate the guys? I don't know. Are you going to get different results? I'm not sure. But this team, this team just doesn't. I feel like, in a way, they're still chasing of what they were instead of trying to change into something else now. Well, and mean- this doesn't change it. It's a guy who has some important things on defense. I don't know if Rick Bonus is the type of coach who's going to take crap. He was like, hey, Radulov, I don't care if you're Alex Radulov. You're on the fourth line because you're not playing well. And I think there needs to be some accountability in Winnipeg. Um, again, it's not the hire I would make. I thought it was going to be talking by the sound of it, but I guess he likes the TNT panel more than Winnipeg, which uh, I won't say anything more than that. Um, now, this is a former head coach, but this is a bit of a different circumstance. The Bruins hired Jim Montgomery, uh, a guy who went, God help, did some work as an assistant, um, got himself figured out, and now is a head coaching job in an original six market. I like Jim Montgomery. I'm happy it wasn't David Quinn, and I think uh, I think Bruins fans are as well. <laughs> yeah, and I think this this will be a, a an interesting fit for the Bruins and also it'll help when you have Patrice Bergeron more than likely is what it seems like. Yeah. Can, we need to, can I hurry up and be official please? <laughs> Cause otherwise if I'm another team, I'm saying, listen, Patrice, I know you want to be a Bruin, but Nick Backstrom's out. Come to Washington. Oh boy. Bergeron and Ovechkin. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I know it's Kuznets off the plays and then, but whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, Detroit. Jeff Merrick was right about this the whole time. We just needed Tampa to finally finish her playoff run because a former assistant there, Derek Lalonde, wouldn't be. I don't know the exact history, but I bet Eiserman hired him back in the day. I believe is, so. Yeah, is, is now the the head coach in Detroit. Bringing back the buddies again. Uh, I mean, I trust him. I mean, working under John Cooper for as long as he did, he's got the cups. Fair enough. I trust Iserman. It'll be interesting. Like this is, I guess, new. I mean, yeah, he's a new co- head coach in the in the NHL. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, 
what that team looks like next year. And man, I feel like Detroit's just going to be sneaky all off season. I feel like they're going to be big fish in the market. I just want to double check. He's been an assistant since 2018-19. So he won. Okay, so I'm just looking at his history. The Green Bay Gamblers in the USHL, he won a championship. Made it to uh, conference finals in the ECHL. Two seasons in the AHL as the assistant in, in, uh, sorry, as the head coach of the Iowa Wild, and then has been in Tampa Bay for the past couple of years. So would that have been Iserman's last year? Uh, I believe yes. Okay. He does know him. Like, I'm just trying to figure that out. It does say here that. Eiserman didn't reveal much when he spoke to reporters earlier in the search. Makes sense. But he did say that being familiar with the new man in charge would be a plus. So, yeah. So, Eiserman left. He returned to Detroit April 19th, 2019 to be the GM. Oh, okay. So, it was after they got swept. Right? If I'm looking at timelines properly? Yes. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So, yeah, he'll he'll know him. So, I guess maybe he's like, I like this guy. And maybe if Cooper's gone, you can be the new one. Yes, because it was the weird uh, timeline where Iserman stepped down. Then Iserman went to Detroit, but not as general manager, as like an advisor. Then Ken, Or he went as general manager. Ken Holland stepped down as general manager. And then Ken Holland left. Detroit completely and went to Edmonton. Mm-hmm. That was uh okay. So that's, it's funny. You <laughs> want to mention that, by the way, I want to read you this tweet about coaches, right? Montgomery fired in Dallas bonus gets the job bonus departs Dallas DeBoer gets the job. Cassidy fired in Boston takes the board job. Montgomery hired in Boston to take Cassidy's old job. Coaching carousel, ladies and gentlemen. So there's another guy, sorry, like another guy that doesn't, he has, He's on the list, but he doesn't have a contract on cap friendly. Okay. So you've mentioned this before. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Dave Haxtall. I don't know what's going on in Seattle. I'm just so confused. Maybe they just don't know. Maybe we just don't know the term. I don't know. If Ray Ferraro couldn't get anything out of out of his wife when she was working there, the, the great Cami Granado, obviously, then, then maybe they're being tight lipped. Now in, uh, now in Vancouver, Fair. remember that? Fun fact, fun fact. Yeah. With Emily Castone gay. Um okay, I I I'm really upset about uh, really upset with the sharks here. So a couple of days ago they fired uh not just their head coach, um, but many of their assistants and their video coach. So head coach Bob Bugner, obviously. Um, but what's annoying about this is the Sharks don't have a GM yet. Now, they could have asked some of these candidates, do you like this coach? No, whatever. Even though this is apparently going to be a first-time GM. Guys like Ryan Whitney, apparently. Not Ryan Whitney. Ray Whitney. Ray Whitney. Ray Whitney. Not, not the other not, one. Not the other one. Not the one from, uh, for, from uh, Spring Chickens. Um, a name that, that's been in there, right? Um the Sharks have been out of the playoffs and not playing hockey and have had time to evaluate Bob Bugner for a while now, including the whole regular season. What I think is inc- like disgusting by the Sharks, and it's been said to depth, is they did this at the end of the coaching carousel. 
So it's a lot more difficult for Buchner and everyone else to get jobs right now. I'm sure there's going to be assistant stuff there, but I think you really swapped Bob Buchner there. I, I didn't like that at all. I think that's a, I, I think that's, again, I think it's, it's, it's a little disgusting from the Sharks. That's, I don't like it. Yeah, it just felt a little um, unnecessary at this exact time. Um, considering for the most part, we do know that new GMs like to have their coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, and listen, like if you're doing this mid-season, yeah, you're pro- that coach is probably going to finish out the season. But if you're hiring in the offseason, like if you're hiring a new GM in the offseason, I, I think you're more inclined to bring to bring in your your own coach like this it this wasn't like a um like a Mike Babcock Kyle Dubas thing where Mike Babcock has a bajillion dollar contract that you have to p- still pay out if you fire him and I mean no disrespect to Bob Boogner but like Mike Babcock was making five million dollars a year and still had four years left on his contract at the time of his firing. This was very much, you could have let him go and then revisited and revisited your coaching situation when you needed to get there. But Uh, that's just me. Well, normally what is it that GMs take a year to sort of see what they want, see what they like. You could have just, you could have done it there. I don't know if Boone knew the term yet, but the term sort of the firing and all that makes me think that they had a year. Otherwise you could have just been like, let his contract expire. But um, no, that's just, I, I'm not, not a fan of it. Not a fan of it. Uh, to finish off. It really sounds like Puglia Harvey's definitely gone in Edmonton. More than just him. Did you see the value that apparently they were talking to other other advisors, other other GMs about what the value of PRV would be. This was from Sportsnet. No, and apparently they the Oilers allegedly want a second, but people said maybe if it's a late second, but we're for sure giving you a third. I'd give a second for Pulia Harvey. He's oh yeah, good. his defensive play is outstanding. I'd give him a second. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. That's um, it's basically what happened with Elias Anderson, except I think he got like a fourth. No, I think he got a second. Too. It was like the end of the second round. Yeah. It was like 60th, I think. That's so dis. Who's the smart? It was really funny to see. Apparently, Ottawa are interested, and, and it was like, oh, oh, yeah, and it was like, good. That's smart. Is he an Ilya Mikheyev, a replacement level kind of player? I think he's Connor. Mc- Ooh, I was I was about to say I think he's more of the Connor Brown replacement, but I know what you mean. Well, he needs a new contract, right? And it, it wouldn't be a lot. No. I would like him to be a Montreal guy. Maybe not Toronto. No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't like. I think he'd be good on a Suzuki copy of mine. I think that'd be really nice. I think he'd look really good next to John Tavares. Really <laughs> I think he would look good on the top line. And then, we say, and then we say, forget about Michael Bunting. And uh, to the shower. Okay, there, okay Mike. I'm just saying. Um, and, and they're not, and he's not the only one that's going to be gone in Edmonton. I, don't I was going to ask thirty-two thoughts. I, I did not. I haven't. I haven't fully read it. Who else is out there? Uh, so, uh, this is thirty-two thoughts. Elliot Freeman. Literally, I think it came out this morning. The Oilers are trying to create crap room 
don't, I don't think Mike Smith is going to be playing, but that might be LTIR and as opposed to retirement. Yeah. Don't yet have clarity on Duncan Keith, but that could go either way. Uh, Warren Fogel, Zach Cassian, Jesse Pugliarvi, as we mentioned. Wait, 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 wait. I want to go one at a time here. Okay, so yeah. Smith won't be playing, so LTIR probably. Yeah, Duncan so, Keith could go either way. So Mike Smith and Duncan Keith, who the hell knows? So, okay, which is going to be tough because they're cap situation. Okay, mm-hmm. so, because if they're going – okay, okay. So that means they're going to be in a bidding war for Kemper or probably Huso. Fun. Or, okay. or someone uh, – You there's a name you didn't mention, but we'll get there. But it, It's coming. Okay, next. So Warren Fogle, Zach Cassian, Jesse yep. Pugliarvi, and Tyson Berry could all be moved. Okay, it's wait, all so- about it's oh. all about how much room they can clear. Okay. And this is essentially, I mean, he has it as for Evander Kane, it's still too early to say, um, as room has to be cleared before they can get somewhere. So I imagine though, for the most part, those players might be moved to bring to retain. Evander Kane potentially, but also okay. Uh, that will I'll stop and we'll continue after. But okay, okay. So just because I want to go through those players again, mm-hmm. Barry knows no secret. You said Cassian, Zach Cassian, who I believe has. I'm gonna pull that up right now, but I don't. He has some term. Who basically Zach, Zach Cassian, two years left at three point two million. Ken Holland signing, by the you way. You could get Pulia Harvey, but okay. Yeah. Warren Fogel has two years left at 2.75, which remember, they traded <laughs> Ethan Bear for him, which I didn't think Warren Fogel was an issue last year. Don't like, don't really see why you'd need to move him, but that's fine. Um, and then Tyson Berry has two more years left at four and a half. Don't do it, Kent. Don't do it. Okay. And so um, what, what was next? And I, I think I know where you're going with this, but I haven't read that far into 32 thoughts, but I, I feel like I know where you're going. Cause I think there was news about this. I believe the Oilers like Jack Campbell. Campbell? Do it. Do, Dreger, it. do it, Ken. Like, do it, Ken. Do it. Remember, remember, go get the Leafs stuff again. Remember how, how Dragger was like, ah, oh, Campbell's going to get $6 million. And everyone's like, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's like, so Buffalo are interested in Campbell mm-hmm. probably. New Jersey, Edmonton. St. Louis will want to keep him, but that's going to be difficult. He might get $6 million. Wait, St. Louis? Or you mean Toronto? Sorry, so St. Louis want to keep Huso. Why Huso. did I say Campbell like that? Um, <laughs> I'm an idiot. I had two thoughts at the same time there. Um, so maybe Campbell is going to get overpaid. And oh, he's definitely going to get Larry's Flurry's not going to go to Edmonton, probably. No. So it's really so it's Campbell. So if you're Temper. Toronto or Edmonton, basically your your targets are Huso, Camper, uh, and then if you're Edmonton, you range it and you open it to Camp. Oh yeah, if I'm Toronto, I don't even. No offense to Jack Campbell, I just. That's done. That's, that's done. done. That's just so, um, not at that price. I'd rather pay Darcy Kemper at that price. Isn't that like the RFA rights to Mackenzie Blackwood too? And also, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. T- I wouldn't touch Mackenzie Blackwood if, as a starter. If you're okay. Toronto, you have to get a short goalie this offseason. We need Darcy you need two. And I I I don't want to touch Blackwood. I don't. I, I, 
you got to be careful. I, I would I would touch Blackwood. It, okay, I would want the Leafs to get Blackwood if he was the guy behind. Um, if Darcy he was Kemper? behind Darcy Kemper, yeah. Man, the goalies suck. Man, the goaltending is rough. Um, okay. And I doubt Edmonton, I doubt Jake Allen's going to be dealt to Edmonton now because we still don't know what's going on with Price. Yeah. Which is annoying. Okay. One last thing. Yep. I just want to end it here, but it's not hockey related. The British Grand Prix was amazing. All right. That too. But happy 37th anniversary. Because on this day in 1985, Back to the Future came out. Oh, neat. Yes. Uh, also, July 1st was a few days ago, so, ha- uh, so a shout-out to Rick DiPietro uh, getting his money from the Islanders, as he does every year. And who's the baseball player, Daniel? Oh, Bobby Bonilla. Bobby Bonilla. Yeah. Very... I think, like, until – like, there's – I think I, – I don't know how many more years. I think 15 years more that he gets a million a year. Uh, isn't it end around the same time that Rick DiPietro Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great conscience. Sports. You love to see them. Okay, that's everything. Next time you see us, we'll be uh, in seven days, actually, uh, next Sunday. Uh, it's a little awkward to record as Daniel and I will be in Montreal for the draft. Um, so it's just, yeah, you'll see us then. Uh, it's going to be fun because then if I have my dates right, I just want to double check something. We will be a few days from the start of free agency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, three days will be fun what are the chances of this so we the nighthawks have a game on the the round one of the draft do they not have a game the opening night of free the opening day of free agency you're just gonna go off and be like ah (laughs) ah so mcdavid's a jet now (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna get out of that game and the world is gonna change Honestly, like, well, what time does free agency open? Usually around noon, midday-ish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, I'll just, I'll have a, I'll have a TV next to me the entire day, just with uh, who are we using? TSN or Sportsnet this year? Uh, should, I, I use TSN. I use TSN. Okay, TSN. Yeah. Sorry, Sportsnet, but I don't want to watch you. I'll, I'll watch TSN's uh, broadcast, but I'll have Elliot Friedman's notifications on. Oh, yeah, it's getting to that. You know what? I turned it off for the playoffs because of the delay with my TV. It's worse than Alex's now. So what no I'm going to do is, is after this, um, I got to put all my notifications back on. So we can, because it's getting to that time of the year. It's Okay, it's let, me, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Whose notifications do you have on on Twitter? So do you have more than one guy? Right now, because after the trade deadline, I threw everyone off. Normally, yeah. I only have Friedman, but okay. I'll have Elliot. I'll have Emily Kaplan, Kevin Weeks, Sarah Valley. I, I teeter with Chris Johnston. I teeter with him, um, but he won't be on after free agency. I'll tell you that. Um, <laughs> but like after that, it's like it's like those got Dreger. Bob is important for the draft. Mm-hmm. But Daniel, for us. We are not allowed to look at Bob McKenzie's feed during the draft because last year, remember in the first round, he oh, got yeah. all but three picks, right? So we're not looking at that. But um, like those guys, I get the big guys plus like Kaplan and Weeks because they're they're new. They're new to the feng shui of everything. Yeah. 
Uh, question for you guys. Are you also going to day two? Yes. Okay. I feel like we had this conversation, but I don't remember. Question number two. Are you going to print out the 900 pages of elite prospects and bring it with you in a binder and just print, like write things down? You know what guys, I mean? Honestly, I <laughs> you were thinking about it. You were I was thinking, thinking about, about it. like having a little left and be like, I have to bring two cameras <laughs> there. Nazar had a better rating for skating than this guy. Yeah, I, don't you know. That. <laughs> um, I was told to bring two cameras. So I have to film two. Adam's reaction for every Habs pick. And what's the second one for? Oh, just for me, my general photos. Oh, but as I'm taking the photos, I'm also filming Adam per Montreal pick. Yeah, you just you have to you have to get me for especially the first one. You just have to capture that. Okay, the reaction for the first overall pick and the seventh round pick have to be the same. <laughs> I do expect I do expect a photo Adam with your Adam. You have glasses, right? Uh, I do, but I'm not wearing them anymore because it's okay. a long story. But but you should wear your glasses once. Get two phones, <laughs> put them up to your ear, and just I we need a photo of that with you with your binder of with your binder of notes and you just with your headphones uh, with your uh, two phones here. Um, I think that'd be a great Instagram photo. Do my my Kyle do this thing? Yes. That's, you know what, Alex? Can you type that up and send it to me? And like like right now, we'll do that. And then we can, yeah, we can throw it on the Instagram or then the Twitter and be like, Adam, ready for the draft. Like I'll even, it's, it's, I'll get like a nice tie. I'll get a dress shirt. We'll make a whole thing out of it. And you're going to do it in Pickering or in Montreal? Montreal. I got my big desk here. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. I'll I'll figure it out. I I just texted it. Good. Because I got a, I got to film a video for the draft preview. Cause I got, I nailed what Montreal were going to pick last year. Cause I'm like, they need a right-handed deep because they lost Flurry and Weber. And you were right. And they drafted Logan Mayu. <laughs> so I got it right last year. So let's see if I can go for uh, two for two. But hopefully they don't draft a guy who got fined for taking oh, yeah. pictures. Can't wait last- for Supermental Camp this year. Yeah. Guess I'll be there. Last question that I have before we end the show. I know we've been going for a while. But it's not bad. It's not hockey related. I I spoiled it, but that's Good. fine. Will Kevin Durant be a Toronto Raptor? No, no, no. If they want Scotty Barnes now, I don't think does he want to go to Toronto though. That's the thing. But he grew I up a Raptor. I saw I saw that six zero tweet of him complimenting Toronto. We like the development here. How they? I okay. I see it this way. If he does come here, because he is thirty three, but he's still elite, elite. But he has never had load management before. So if he has load management in Toronto, you think he'll be good? It'll be worth it for the four years. I think he hears load management. He's like, man, I don't know what that is. But, uh, you know, if it's anything like what Kyrie was doing, I don't want anything to do with this. He's not going to be a Raptor. He'll be – he's going to Phoenix. Come on. I don't know. Devin Booker and CP3 are going to – he's going to – so like Will said, he's going to go save CP3's legacy. So the yeah, that'll be I. So we know if you have to include Scotty Barnes, you don't do it. No, you don't. Yeah, you can't do that. Interesting. 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 But if it's anyone else, like OG, fine. (laughs) Because it's still Kevin Durant. Yeah. It's still like you're you're like guaranteed. Okay, I was gonna say you're guaranteed a deep run, but then not Boston. But you know that's the Toronto actually have a coach. It's just the going rate right now, like because Rudy Gobert. 
I don't get that trade at for all, like by the way. Five first round picks. <laughs> Yeah. So Patrick Beverly got dealt, and we go, oh, no, uh, no. Um, retires and fully. Well, don't, don't, wouldn't have, wouldn't the Raptors have to trade one of the bigger contracts to, yeah, to match it? Work? So Fred or Pascal, I'll right? drive them to the airport, and it I would be like OG Gary Trent, and then you work from there for Kevin Durant, sure. It's uh, Kevin Durant. OG, Jay Trent, Malachi Flynn, and seven first round picks. Yeah. <laughs> Keep Scotty, you're good. That's the that's it. That's, Imagine he goes to the city that booed him when he got hurt. That's bold. Different that's talent, bold you know. Move. Phoenix. It's it's three years could change changes a lot of things. How about Miami? Everyone uh, keeps saying Miami. They say Miami, or, but that'd be cool. That's a preferred destination. Yeah. Quote. Gets Kyle another ring. There we go. There we go. Gets, uh, gets, gets Jimmy his ring. There we go. Mm-hmm. That's what I wanted to end the show with today. Fair enough. Yeah. Evan Durant. Good. All right. That's everything. Uh, yeah, we'll see you in seven days for uh, our, our fallout from the draft. Hopefully there is some big moves. And then we can preview free agency. And who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, it should be. Uh, I don't know if that had like like obviously like I don't see the Leafs or Habs making big signings. I think you could see them like Montreal are going to make trades. I don't know what Toronto will do. I don't know if you can expect them to do a giant move, but yeah, I think it's always exciting at least that we can speculate that they're going to be getting a new set of goaltenders. Yeah. Like if we don't talk about a Morazic trade, I'd be shocked or a buyout. But we'll see. Dubas likes super doing his cap dump, so I don't see a buyout that thing. But super um, exciting. Yeah, but uh, we'll see you next time and follow all the links to check us all our gubs and whatnot. And uh, we'll see you later. Bye, guys. <laughs>